The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kristen Henning is the Bloom Professor of Law and Director at the Juvenile Justice Clinic and Initiative at Georgetown Law. And she's on the line with us here just now. How are you today? I'm great. So happy to be here with you. Yeah. Now, you've got this book called Rage of Innocence. How would you describe it? Yeah. So the full title is The Rage of Innocence, How America Criminalizes Black Youth. And Mm. it is a book that weaves together stories about black children in our country who have been uh, criminalized um, and demonized, um, over-policed, and subject to extraordinary surveillance in our country. Um, And so um, I I share those stories and I also weave together in plain language some of the research that really helps us understand what's going on. racial bias and the trauma that young uh, Black children experience um, when they are criminalized for just being kids. Yeah. And it seems to be as relevant as ever, this book. Oh, most certainly. I mean, you know, every time we open the news or we, you know, we hear about police violence and police violence involving uh, Black uh, people in particular, and then far too many of that uh, police violence involves young people um and so it's really disturbing yes and why do you think it seems to be particularly an american problem because it happens to here sometimes but it's very rare compared to america where it seems to happen all the time right it's a you know great question i you know to be brutally honest i think america has a long history that we have to reckon with of Mm. failing to see black children as children um you know from our very origins in you know with a tradition of slavery, seeing black children as property of the purported, you know, slave master um, into the civil rights era when young people spoke up for themselves and asserted their rights. Um, They were treated as if they were um, uh, criminals instead of active protesters um, who are entitled uh, to speak out for themselves. We see in the 1990s, we went through this terrible super predator era um, in which there was a temporary in 
increase in crime in our country. And at that time, politicians saw it as an opportunity um, to gain sort of political favor by demonizing Black children in some very explicit ways. So that mm. super predator myth, which predicted, I mean, it's a pseudo-scientific myth that predicted that Black children would run amok and rape, maim, and kill all of America. We know that that myth never bore out. It never yeah. became true at all. But yet, you know, we've got the legacy of some of those very intentional narratives that existed early in our country's history. Those intentional narratives existed for social, political, and economic gain um, in, in, you know, sort of a white supremacist ideology. Um, but yeah. today, um, even after some of that explicit narrative has faded away, maybe it's reinvigorated, but even as it faded away, sort of those narratives live on. So the fears of Black children live on even after, you know, these critical moments in history where Black children were explicitly demonized. Yeah. And you've actually looked at a few case studies in the book, haven't you? I sure have. Um, I look at my own. So I am a uh, an attorney who represents mm. children and has been representing children for about 26 years. So I look at some cases um, that I of young people that I represented, but I also do look at some of these high profile cases, Tamir Rice, you know, Mike Brown, um, uh, other young people, Jeremiah Harvey, young people who have been either criminalized in some way or who have been hyper surveilled by by the police. Yeah. And what have been some of the challenges along the way of writing a book like this? Yeah. So I one of the, the, the challenges is you talk about the stories that I tell. I yeah. really wanted to make sure that I honored the voices of the young people, right? We're mm. so often speaking for young people without hearing from them. And so that when I tell stories about my young clients um, who get arrested for things that other kids do, I want to make sure I tell the story in their voices. And so, you know, wanting to reconnect with some old clients um, and uh, share, you know, uh, them what I'm writing and make sure it, it's, it reflects their voice. Um, and maybe I could share a story, you know, the, the story that I open my book with is a story about Eric. Um, and I call him Eric for purposes of the book. He was a 13 year old boy at the time who um, on a Saturday night was watching a movie. And in the movie, he sees someone with a Molotov cocktail in his very 13 year old brain. He decides that he wants to make something that looks like that. He doesn't research it. He doesn't look it up on the internet. He doesn't ask anybody about it, but he just goes into the kitchen. He grabs a glass bottle and he begins to pour in liquids, whatever he can find water, you know, a pine saw bleach, um, you know, things that are not going to catch on fire in any meaningful way. Yeah. And my favorite part of the story is that he takes a piece of toilet paper and he runs the toilet paper from the inside to the outside of the bottle and closes it up. Well, we know that toilet paper is going to burn out before it ever even reaches the, the top. <laughs> but, you know, he's a kid. He plays with it for a little bit and then he forgets all about it. He puts it in his book bag um, and forgets about it. His um, on Monday morning, his mother drives him to school and he puts his book bag through a metal detector oh. and the the um, school security guard, the school police officer sees it and asks him, what is this? And he says, oh, that's nothing. You could throw it away. He goes on to class. He, he doesn't think.
think anything of it. Little does he know this is the beginning of a nine month ordeal. He gets arrested, um, dragged out of school. The whole school gets evacuated. Nobody believes him. Nobody gives him the benefit of the doubt. When he says, I was not trying to blow up the school. The, 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 the last thing I'll say about this is the, the most powerful part of that story, which really underscores what this project is about, is that a few, sometime later, I'm giving a talk in Connecticut and, uh, which, you know, northern part of the United States. And I uh, tell this story in that talk. And a woman comes up to me, a white American woman comes up to me and she says to me, my son did the exact same thing. And I say, well, what happened to him? And she said that he got placed in advanced science classes. So he gets promoted and rewarded for making, you know, for attempting to make a Molotov cocktail, whereas my young African-American client gets um, uh, criminalized. He gets held in detention um, for something that he was just being a 13-year-old boy for. So I think that's what the book is about. And it's also part of the challenge. How do you tell these stories in a way that honor those kids and that really try to move hearts and minds for the readers? Yeah. And that kind of double standard there is happening in a larger scale as well when you have an unarmed black man getting killed on the spot and an armed white man getting away with it pretty much. Absolutely. I mean, you think about, you know, your story makes me think immediately about the contrast between Kyle Rittenhouse and um, and Tamir Rice. And for mm. listeners, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse was the young uh, boy, the 17 year old boy from, you know, who crosses over state lines from from, you know, Wisconsin. Right. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at noom.com real noom user compensated to provide their story in four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. 
at Plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And he's um, got a, a, a an assault rifle of sorts strapped across his body. He walks through a public sphere, you know, in plain sight and never gets stopped. <laughs> um, and, you know, I got to say his behavior at the age of 17 was sort of a quintessential adolescent behavior. He's, you know, um, impulsive. He's reactive. He's responding to his peers, his friends um, who call him over, you know, state lines and say to him, hey, come and help us protect businesses. And in his 17-year-old brain, he thinks he's competent enough. You know, he wants to go and be with his friends and he thinks he's competent enough to somehow protect these businesses. Um, And what happens? He gets in over his head and he ends up taking two lives, killing two people Mm. and injuring severely another. And then what happens? He, his mother, and of course, you know, rightfully so, his advocates want you to see him as an adolescent, a teenager who got in over his head. And that's exactly what happens. People give him the benefit of the doubt with a rifle, right? And with, you know, killing people. And he still gets the benefit of the doubt. He gets a fair trial. He gets uh, uh, due process and he gets found not guilty in his adolescent state. We think about Tamir Rice, who is the 12 year old boy who was shot dead in less than three seconds in in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, for having a toy gun, a toy gun. and so the contrast is is significant. You know, it speaks to the implicit biases that we have about Black children and the the absolute lack of tolerance for adolescence mm. that we have among Black children. Mm. And what do you think is causing this? Is a police officer going, this person's Black, so I'm going to shoot them? Or is it more of an unconscious thing of years and years of bias that's built up and unconsciously maybe they feel more unsafe in a black person's presence maybe absolutely it's the latter in my view Mm. and i actually i should i I always like to say this that when i talk about these issues i don't mean to talk about them in sort of an anti-policing you know kind of way i mean Mm. to talk about the realities of our country and i train and you know police officers as well and i say to them you know look every single one of us even those of us who mean well have we come into these uh, encounters with our own unconscious biases, as you talk mm. about, right? Um, yeah. And particularly as it relates to blackness and criminality, that that narrative, that um, that trope, that stereotype about black folks, and particularly black males, is so deeply entrenched in our country that even it you know exists within the same race. It exists, you know, even again um, yeah. with among officers who are committed to racial equity, who are committed to democratic principles. And there are some very specific uh, stereotypes um, about black boys in particular. Um, There's research showing that we as both civilians and law enforcement tend to perceive black boys as significantly older than they actually are. And in fact, the research shows that we are likely to perceive black uh, boys as four more than four and a half years older than they actually are. So wow. you think about a, a black boy like to 
Tamir Rice, who's 12, you know, you, you know, police officers look at him and potentially see him as a 16 or 17 year old. And then imagine it's even worse. You approach a 17 year old black boy um, and they perceive him as what, 21, 22 years old. And so the perceptions of threat, there is also other research showing that, you know, we all uh, tend to more likely to perceive black uh, youth, black males in particular, as stronger, bigger, heavier, more muscular, more threatening than we actually than they actually are, um, yeah. even as compared to a white male who is the exact same height, weight and body weight. You would look at two pictures and perceive that the black male would be older yeah. and, and stronger. You obviously look younger than you are because you said you've been doing this for 26 years. So how long has the research for this book taken? Did it start maybe before you realized you were going to write a book? Oh, great question. And indeed, it absolutely started before I uh, knew I was going to write a book. I, I say all the time that, you know, I've been representing clients for 26 years and I've always kept a folder. It started off as a hard copy folder and then it became an electronic folder of, you know, of cases like police reports from cases that always were sort of shock and awe. Like, I cannot believe we're prosecuting this kid for doing this very kid-like thing. Um, and so I used to keep that. So that's one part of the research, sort of the collection of cases. And then indeed, like over the years, I would just be bothered. I'd want to know, you know, why, you know, my clients were so traumatized just in the presence of police, even when the police officers hadn't done anything to them. But the what was that trauma about? And there's a growing body of research on that too, you know, documenting the ways that um, Black children experience trauma. So there's a lot of research um, that I've been collecting over the years uh, that yeah. went behind this book. And do you think that there's so much research you might be able to write another book at some point? <laughs> Uh, maybe. Uh, uh, yes, there's certainly enough research to write another book, right? And there's still yeah. stories upon stories to tell. Um, so there, there, there might be another one in the making. Yeah. And even other books about other things, could that be a possibility? Great question. I don't think I have anything under the uh, under my belt at this moment. Um, uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, my heart and my passion right now are deeply invested in these questions around race, adolescence, policing, and the criminalization of kids for just being kids. So I, I won't predict too far in the future, but I, I love to write. <laughs> yeah. And overall, what do you think needs to change? Is there a simple solution? Because I'd love to know. Yeah. So I think there are like four quick themes that I could talk about when we when we think about what needs to change. One is that we need to radically reduce the footprint of police in the lives of all children in, in America, but especially black and brown children who have been disproportionately targeted. So mm -hmm. that means, you know, reducing, you know, police presence in school. And even with, you know, that sounds shocking in the face of, of, of mass shootings, but we see time and time again that police police presence doesn't um, reduce or prevent mass shootings at all. Um, and so the question becomes, leads me to my second broad theme about what needs to change is that we really need to shift from our traditional law enforcement responses um, or law enforcement strategies for public safety and school safety and focus instead on a public health approach to school yeah. safety and to community safety. So that means 
means, you know, um, a public health approach that is attentive to building relationships between children and adults, that is trauma-informed, that is restorative, and that is racially equitable. It means we need a continuum of mental health services for young people throughout our country. So that's a really important thing that we, we, we need. You know, I think a, another really important theme, you know, and when we think about reform is that when police are in those rare circumstances, when we do need police to engage with young people, that we need to make sure all police officers are um, trained in developmentally appropriate policing. What does that mean? It just means teaching police officers about adolescent development and um, about de-escalation strategies. Think about what the best parents do and the best teachers do um, and the best counselors do for young people. They know how to de-escalate kids when they you know, begin to act out. So I think that's really important. And then I think the fourth theme is that this notion of treating all kids like kids means that even when they do really bad things, when they make bad mistakes, when they make bad choices, like we all did when we were teenagers, that we need to make sure that we are responding to them in ways that are rehabilitative, um, that are corrective, but that are not punitive and stigmatizing and, you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of writing them off as if they can never be redeemed. And so I think those are four sort of real important strategies um, for making things different. Yeah. Well, where can we find out more about your book and purchase it. Yes. So um, the book, The Rage of Innocence, How America Criminalizes uh, Black Youth is available truly pretty much anywhere uh, books are sold. Um, um, uh, Think about online, all the big box uh, stores, as well as the uh, uh, independent bookstores. But also if you go to rageofinnocence.com, rageofinnocence.com, you will find it there um, uh, as well. Um, But yes, I hope people will read and uh, pay attention to this topic. There are some intersections, of course, uh, with the UK. So I appreciate your having me on the show. Excellent. Well, Betty, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The throbbing pulse of sound, sound, sound.